0: Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.TheWayMinistriesRI.org. Thank you and have a great day.
1: Good morning, Greystone. How's everybody doing this morning, okay? All right, let's get a smile. Come on, you know how it's going to start off this morning, right? We all got a lot to be grateful for. Our Lord deserves a smile this morning, amen? All right, welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone. I would like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I would like to thank our risen Savior this morning, the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> For making this all possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins so we could have a new life, spiritual life, eternal life and a new purpose here on planet earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives, and we study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. parts. I want to personally welcome all of you to The Way. We depend on God's grace, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I'd like to say hello to all of our family who are watching from the live feed who can't be with us here. We welcome you to worship with us this morning. And if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it does not disturb this morning service? And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day to gather together as your family, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and to bring into remembrance the ultimate sacrifice that you gave your life and your blood for us, Lord, so we could be set free to have a personal relationship with our Father, and to be set free from the bondage of sin, Lord. We're just so grateful and eternally thankful for that salvation that you've given us, Lord, for that gift, Lord, for without it we wouldn't be able to do your will, Lord. And I thank you for the people that serve so faithfully in the ministry, Lord, that we all need each other and we all love each other, and I pray that you take all the bitterness out of our hearts this morning, Lord, and fill it with your love so we can receive clearly the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning, I pray for the people who can't be with us, who are not feeling well, who are sick, Lord, that you touch their lives and reassure them that you'll never leave them nor forsake them and you're with them every step of the way. And as always, let everything we do this morning be led by your spirit and not by our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to stand and worship the Lord. beautiful day, beautiful church, beautiful day to remember the Lord. Let's give another round of applause. As we mentioned, it is the Lord's Supper this morning, so please prepare your hearts, clear your minds to receive the message. The Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning, we are going to get started with a short video clip, so we're going to watch the video clip, and we are going to get started. There's nothing like getting a beautiful visual of really went on in the the agony that he must have went through for us, amen? Amen. How about a round of applause for our Lord and Savior this morning? All right, we're going to talk about this a little bit. The Lord's Supper, how we never should forget the ultimate sacrifice that he made for us. There's a store called Things Remembered which offers items that can be engraved to commemorate special occasions. Many people give engraved items in honor of a special day or a shared moment. If you have received such a gift, you know what a treasure it can become. People like to remember happy times and significant events. Memories are precious. They keep us connected to people, places, and events that have shaped us and influenced our lives. We may wish we could forget some things, but even life's unpleasantries can offer lasting lessons learned through adversity. At the Last Supper, Jesus shared a meal with his disciples and then led them in the ancient observance of the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover. Jesus, the master teacher, used this opportunity to plant an important memory in his disciples gathered in that upper room. Jesus shared this meal for their benefit and for ours. As Jesus raised the bread and the cup in Thanksgiving, he added new significance to this ancient ritual. Luke 22 records that Jesus told his disciples to observe the Passover in remembrance of me. Jesus took an old symbol and filled it with new meaning. The meaning of Jesus' words and actions is rooted in his command to remember. As today's disciples, we observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Christ. Some congregations refer to this ordinance as the memorial supper to highlight the significance of Christ's atoning work on the cross and to call believers to remember his sacrificial death Others call it communion to highlight the believer's intimacy with Christ. Whatever we call this observance, one thing is clear. It is a time to remember. Okay, first we're going to talk about the historical significance. Is everybody with me so far? Okay. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is the historical background. for the establishment of the Lord's Supper. Exodus 12 presents the final chapter in God's miraculous rescue of Israel from slavery in Egypt, the plague of judgment of the firstborn. For the angel of death to pass over a household, a family had to put blood from a sacrificed lamb on the doorframe of their house and eat the Passover meal as the Lord had prescribed. This lamb in the meal of unleavened bread became the abiding symbol of Israel's deliverance from bondage. As Jesus' disciples watched Jesus and listened to his words this Passover, they would have understood the historical significance of his actions. What they did not fully understand until after the crucifixion and resurrection, however, was the transformation of what had been a Jewish feast of remembrance into a new symbol for remembering Jesus' atoning sacrifice at the cross. The God who acted in history to deliver his people Israel has also acted in history to deliver us. The elements used in the supper are not the real body and blood of Jesus, but are powerful symbols that cause us to remember that Jesus really did suffer and die in a real, historical time and place. What Jesus did centuries ago impacts our life today and our eternity as well. The second thing we want to remember is the redemptive significance of this event. We should remember the supper's redemptive significance when John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching he cried out, look! the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, 1 John 29. John clearly established the reason for Jesus' coming as the fulfillment of what the Passover Lamb had only foreshadowed. In Exodus 12, the Lamb was sacrificed for the deliverance of one family at the cross. The Lamb of God was sacrificed to deliver the whole world from the power and penalty of sin. The Passover lamb served as a substitute for the firstborn of Israel, but Jesus was our substitute at Calvary. Without the death of the lamb and the spreading of his blood, the children of Israel would have suffered the judgment of God. Without the shedding of the blood of Jesus and his substitutionary death, we would have no hope of our salvation. We celebrate our redemption in remembrance of him. The Lord's Supper presents the powerful message of the gospel. What a perfect time to give people an opportunity to receive the salvation purchased at the cross. Those who respond will remember that the symbols of the Lord's table spoke to them of their need for Christ's provision. Get an amen there. And the third thing we want to mention, the personal significance. We should remember the Lord's Supper personal significance. Luke 22, 19 and 20 records Jesus' words. This is my body given for you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus personalizes his statements by using the pronoun you. Jesus told his disciples that he was going to suffer for them. He was going to die for them. True. Jesus would die for everyone, for the sin of the world. But his disciples heard Jesus say, I ain't doing this for you. If you are like me, you receive more junk mail than any other kind of mail. You know the kind of mail I'm talking about. It's addressed to occupant or resident. And if the envelope doesn't have your name, it usually is a computer-generated label that may or may not have your name spelled correctly. <laughs> In short, it's not personal. If, however, you get a piece of mail with your name handwritten or typed, or if you recognize the return address, then you know that someone has written you personally. People generally open that kind of mail first. And there's almost always a source of pleasure. Personal mail shows that someone has taken time to communicate with just you. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul gives instructions concerning the Lord's Supper and in doing so reminds the Corinthian Christians of two things. Their personal salvation in Christ and that participation in the supper carries inward and outward aspects. Inwardly, participants are to examine themselves spiritually before taking the supper in verses 27 and 28. Outwardly, participants proclaim through the supper the Lord's death until he returns in verse 26. Observing the Lord's Supper carries personal significance because Jesus calls us to remember that he gave his body for you. It also carries personal responsibility for us to participate with reverence, humility, and sincerity, understanding and proclaiming Christ's great act of love. Paul said that our observance of the Lord's Supper is to be done to help us to remember Christ. Perhaps we are never more the church, the bride of Christ, than when we gather at the table to worship by remembering him. May we never forget the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made so we could live in newness of life and be set free from the bondage of sin. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to bow our heads for prayer. Oh Lord God, Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you for the grace that your Son, Jesus Christ, you establish this supper in which we eat his body and drink his blood. By your Holy Spirit, help us to use this gift worthily, to confess and forsake our sins, to confidently believe that we are forgiven through Christ, and to grow in faith and love day by day until we come at last to the joy of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. We thank you, our Father, for that life for which you have made known to us by Jesus your son, by whom you made all things and take care of the whole world. You sent him to become man for our salvation. You allowed him to suffer and to die. You raised him up, glorified him, and have set him at your right hand, and in him you have promised us the resurrection of the dead." O Lord Almighty, eternal God, gather together your church from the ends of the earth into your kingdom, as grain was once scattered and now has become one loaf. Our Father, we also thank you for the precious blood of Jesus Christ, which has shed for us, and for his precious body, as himself appointed us, to proclaim his death. For through him, glory is to be given to you forever and ever In your Lord Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We take communion to remember the night in which Jesus was betrayed. He broke the bread and gave thanks. We remember communion and the events that led to Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection. At this time, I'm going to ask the ushers to come up front to pass out the elements. If you want to follow along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, we are using the Black Bibles in the pew. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In remembrance of the Lord's broken body, let us eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. In remembrance of the Lord's shed blood for our sins, let us drink the cup. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus, we praise you for this heavenly banquet that you have so freely given us. Thank you that we carry in our hearts the riches of this eternal goodness. May we pour it out wherever we go, lighting up the darkness with truth, speaking out hope where there is despair, and weaving your unconditional love into all we do. Send us now in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. May we live to be all that you have destined us to be. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, thanks and praise to you Again, you fed us at your holy table with your own body and blood. By your word and supper, may we be led from this world of sorrow into life eternal. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. How about a round of applause for you? Okay. We're gonna continue our message on obedience. First, we're gonna turn to Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. And we're going to begin in verse twelve. Everybody there? Dear friends you always followed my instructions when I was with you and now that I am away it is even more important work hard to show the results of your salvation obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Before we go on, God is working in each and every one of us, and He's giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. It is through the Holy Spirit and His power that we can do anything that pleases Him. Can I get an amen for this? We cannot do that in the flesh. God has given us everything we need to live the life that He calls us to live. Now, in verse 14... Do everything without complaining and arguing. Uh oh. (laughs) I'm going to have to stop there for a second. (laughs) It says to do everything without complaining and arguing. I'm saying to myself, boy, I got a long way to go. How about you? Boy, we complain about a lot. But thank God for his grace and mercy. He understands how weak we are. And, and, and we want to do the right thing, but we know that we have this sinful nature that always tries to oppose what God wants us to do. Now it says. Now they're going to explain why he says that, though. He says in verse 14 to do everything without complaining and arguing, but why? So that no one can criticize you. You see, the unbelieving world is watching us Christians, and they want to see something different. When they see us complaining and arguing, they're saying, what difference is it from you going to church and me not going to church? Is there any difference? So why bother? That's why it's important to do everything to glorify God. You understand? Can I get amen for this? This is so people can see that we belong to Jesus and not the world. Noah says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Why? Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Now, he said this over 2,000 years ago, right? This world is even more full of more crooked and perverse people. So he's telling us now is the time for us to shine bright as Christians in this dark world. Glorifying God and representing Him properly by living a life worthy of the call. Then it says in verse 16, Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. In verse 17 he says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid, liquid offering to God, just like your faithful serving." Faithful service is an offering to God. Everything we do for the God, for God our faithful service is an offering to God. Can I get an amen for that? And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I will share your joy. As a Christian, we should have a lot of joy in our hearts today. As dark as that world is, we have something in our hearts that the world doesn't have eternity. We have the Lord Jesus residing in our hearts, and we know that this is not our permanent home. And thank God for that, that we're just passing through this life to a better life to come. See, the world has no hope. We have a lot of hope. Heaven is our home, a new heaven and a new earth someday. Amen? As these broken bodies get resurrected into new glorified bodies with no more sin no more pain, no more suffering, amen. amen. So that's what we look forward to. That's what gives us joy. Not the things we can see now, the things that we are going to see when we go to heaven, amen. amen. For the things we see today will soon be gone, but the things in heaven will last forever, the Bible tells us. How about a big amen for that? Amen. We've got a lot to look forward to. We simply focus on the wrong things a lot as Christians. We focus on the things going on in the world. But this world is not our permanent home. We're going to be out of this world before you know it. And I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but the way things are going, it looks like he's going to be coming back pretty soon. So the problem, the thing of it is, are we going to be ready when he does return? Are we going to be ready to go home with him? Hanging our heads high, saying, Yes, Lord, I lived for you while I was here. Glorify you. Or am I going to hang my head low and say, Lord, I should have spent more time with you, but I wish that I didn't. It's all up to you. Now, today's the day of salvation. Can I get an amen? And a way, in a day to live for God. All right, let's talk about disobedience this morning as we have a few minutes. Let us go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, please. You see, in the flesh... Obedience to God feels like God has taken something from us. But being obedient in the Spirit, it gives us life. Can I get an amen for this? The only reason why God takes things from us is because it takes us away from Him. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Oh, no, 28. I'm sorry. I don't want to confuse you. It's hard enough to get there. All right. Come on now. now. We're all going to heaven someday. We've got a lot of reasons to smile. The weight of the world always tries to come on our shoulders. That's why Jesus says, Give it to me. I'll take it from you. And so you could have peace here on earth. He said there was going to be a lot of troubles. Take joy in me. I have overcome the world. You realize as a Christian, as a believer in Jesus Christ today, you are an overcomer. Now, whether you believe that or not is up to you. Overcoming something is not a feeling. Overcoming something is a fact that Jesus gave you when he died on that cross. You are an overcomer from this world if you want, if you believe it, it will be. Can I get an amen for this? It's not a feeling, it's a fact. The Bible is factual, not emotional. The devil works through our emotions, saying, look at the way you live. Look what you did today. How can you say you could be saved? I'm not saved by what I do. I'm saved by what I believe. So get behind me, Satan. You see, he tries to work on us, telling us, look at the way you're acting. Look at the way you're feeling. He tries to get us like that. We have to understand. We have to grow spiritually into maturity to understand it's way beyond our feelings. And it's the fact that heaven is our home, and that the devil is defeated. Now, in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 28, is everybody there? All right. If you fully obey the Lord your God, now listen to what this says. This is something to take with you this morning. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high Above all the nations of the world, you will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. Now, what a condition that is. Now it says, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. Now, you know when you get attacked by your enemy, which is Satan, he attacks you what? Thought, word, and deed. It says right here, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. What is the condition? On your obedience to what he's telling you, what to do, how to do it, and how to live. Look what it says. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter you, you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. Now, to me, that sounds like a pretty good, pretty good thing, no? If you obey Him, He promised He's going to bless everything and He's going to do everything for us if we obey Him. That, that sounds like a good deal to me, doesn't it? But why do we have such a problem doing it? Because we simply don't remember what the blessings are when we do obey him. So we fall short. We have to wait. And that's something we don't like to do. Now, it says in verse 8, The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. Here's another one. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God. And the other one is? Walk in his ways. We all heard that this morning, right? Walk in his ways. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he swore he would do. What does he want to do for us? He wants to establish us as a a Christian nation in everything we do, but it's based on our obedience. And he will establish that kingdom. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. Just imagine if the church, in unity, obeyed the word of God and how strong it would be. All the churches all over the world, if all went by what the Bible told us to do, taught us what to do, how to live, and how to do it, and we all did it. Do you realize the kingdom of heaven would be here right now? But no, the churches are in compromise. They're compromising the word of God to get more people to come in. But God's not concerned about the quantity. He's concerned about the quality of his people. We're not to compromise with the word of God ever. Can I get amen for this? And this church never will. As long as I'm behind this pulpit, this church will stand by the words of God. And that will be the owner's manual and every solution to our problem. Amen? We cannot rely on God's promises without obeying his word. Obedience is the attitude of submission to instruction and authority. So if you don't know the word of God, how are you going to obey it? First of all, wouldn't that be pretty senseless? I don't know the word of God, so how can I obey it? Well, guess what? This ministry provides the word of God to you any way you want to get it. i got it on the internet. I say it to you and for you each and every day, so you can read it and understand it, so you can grow and understand God's ways and start to live that way. Can I get an amen for this? It's simply a choice you have to make. It's a choice. Most of God's promises of blessings are contingent upon following his instructions and keeping them. The Lord is serious when it comes to obeying what he says in his word. He says what he means, and he means what he says. It is possible for believers to attain God's blessings if we live in obedience. Blessings shall come upon you and overtake, overwhelm you, run ahead of you, exceeds one's expectations, like I just read in Deuteronomy 28, 3 to 14. Identifies God's promises to bless his people in all places, home, city, field, as they went out and came in daily for work, prosper their efforts, victory over their enemies, supply rain for all seasons, for crops and drinking, and all that they put their hands to because they obeyed the word of God. Now, doesn't that make sense to obey God's word? How many of us want all the blessings the Bible wants to give us? It's contingent on obeying what it says, though. It's not just some fluffy, oh, I'm going to get the blessings of Abraham. I just can live whatever way I want, but everything's going to come down. doesn't work that way. I just taught you it does not work that way. It's based on our obedience. Do I have to obey? No. That don't, you don't have to obey to get to heaven. You have to believe. But if you want heaven here, you have to obey. Can I get an amen? amen. You want heaven now, you have to obey. Other than that, you're going to be miserable down here. You know it, and I know it, there's a lot of miserable Christians because they're not doing what God tells them to do and thinking that they're going to get blessed and then they shake their fist at God saying, Why, God, why? He's saying, I'm waiting for you. i got all the blessings you want, but you have to do what I tell you to do. When you do, you will be blessed. Obedience is the only key that unlocks God's treasure of blessing in our lives. Obeying reaps rewards, while disobedience brings consequences. The act of obedience is of the heart. Listen now. The act of obedience is of the heart. Our God requires wholehearted obedience from us. Halfhearted just won't cut it. We cannot carry out God's instruction if done according to how we feel, what is deemed convenient, or on our own terms. You most definitely should observe God's statutes, commands, and judgments carefully with all your heart and with all your soul. One must delight in doing so. Can I get a big amen for that? Amen. All right. Closing chapter. John chapter 13. While you're turning there. One should note that obedience is a choice. Let's note that first. Whatever we do or become in life is based on choices we make. God allows everyone the freedom to choose. He is always with us to guide, protect, and support us. However, he does not force anyone to do what he or she does not want to do. Okay? He could not have made it any clearer than that. The choices between life and blessings or death and cursing. Eternal life or eternal death, salvation or condemnation. Two, obedience is an attitude. Our attitude determines our lifestyle. Our attitude builds character. Jesus cultivated an attitude of obedience. Our Heavenly Father demands a lifestyle of obedience from all of us. Is everybody in John 13? All right, look at verse 12. After washing their feet, the God in heaven was washing feet. He put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, the Lord, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. How about a big amen for that? Most of the hindrances to obeying him are self-manufactured, okay? A few hindrances might be rebellion, excuses, relationships, fear, pressures. Three, obedience is learned. We have to learn how to obey. Can I get an amen for this? Amen. The Bible teaches that Jesus learned obedience. I'm going to read this scripture and we're going to close. In Hebrews 5, verse 7 to 9, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who obey him. Amen? Amen. All right, we're going to close there. Thank you for letting me share that message with you. I'm going to call the ushers up now to take the collection. We're going to stand, and we're going to close. Blood, thank you for the birth, the body. Thank you for everything you've given us in our lives, Lord. Our mission is to obey you, and obey your Bible, and be it and listen to you, Father. Because that is the word of truth. Yes, Lord. And that's what we need in this world. We need word of truth. Because there's a lot of evil out there. And we need to spread your word upon the people of this world. Lord. Yes, Lord. We need to bring as the Bible says, we need to bring the people to you. So, in closing, I want to thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for all of us. Yes, Lord. And, uh, let's, and thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Come share with us in the fellowship room after. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace.